think about how delicately you hold your baby, you dress your baby, and you feed your baby. We do that because they're adorable, of course, but also because their skin is delicate. Know this. There is only one diaper brand that we recommend to give you the gentle protective care your little one needs. And that's Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Their Swaddler's diaper absorbs wetness better versus the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection to keep your baby's skin dry, healthy, and beautiful. And when you use Swaddler's in tandem with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, you'll keep your baby's skin healthy. The wipes are made from 100% plant-based cloth, and you won't have to worry about tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. That's right. So download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Birds are singing. The sun is out. Spring has sprung. Has your wardrobe followed suit? If not, you can get a refresh with Bombas, my favorite brand for socks, tees, and underwear that also has an amazing mission that we support wholeheartedly. Because for every incredible comfy item that I get from Bombas, they match with a donation to someone who is unhoused. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash hard things and use code hard things for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash hard things and use code hard things at checkout. We stopped asking directions to places they've never been. Okay, welcome to We Can Do Hard Things. We're very excited. Abby yes. and I are really excited. We are. Abby Jacobson oh, is yes. a co-creator, oh, no. co-showrunner, executive <laughs> producer, and star of the critically acclaimed show, A League of Their Own. Yes. Prior to this, Abby co-created, wrote, directed, executive produced, and starred for five seasons in Broad City. Y'all. She is the author of the New York Times bestseller, I Might Regret This, and is currently adapting Go Like This, a short story by Lori more. Abby. Oh, Abby. oh man. I'm going to, that I can't even handle. I, I'm excited to be here. I mean, seriously, we have been obsessing over you. I have just deep dove in on Abby Jacobs. Dove? I deep dove. Oh, no. I am dove in, right on in. <laughs> and we'd never watched Broad City. We're a little old. Like we just missed yeah, we just when decided. Broad City was on. I was watching a lot of like Wonder Pets and <laughs> mm-hmm. Blues Clues. Okay. But, but we have this mm-hmm. one very cool member of our team. Only one cool person on our team. Allison. And she, okay, Allison. Allison. Here we go. Sorry, Dina. You have been her number one. Like we must get Abby Jacobson. Yeah. So I read your entire book this week. We've binged Broad City. We can't stop. Yep. <laughs> Well, we've, we'd already watched A League of Their Own. You are just effing delightful. Yes. You are a delightful wow. human being. I don't know what to say. That means the world from you two. I'm an avid listener. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> so good. Are, are you, you 
you kidding? I listen. Yeah, I love that. This is one of my favorite podcasts. Oh my god! I listen to it all the time. Jody and I listen to it <gasps> all the time, separately and together. Yes. Yeah. It's oh. my. It's it's so good. It's truly helpful in my existence. So I just feel this like we're we're wild. Fr- like we probably both feel that we're all friends just based on the work that we've done. And the work we've all consumed from each other's work. So it's like, I actually, I just said, I was like, I feel like I'm friends with Abby. I know. We decided. Listen, this is the beginning. Yes. Yes. Okay, good, good. That was my, that was my backdoor way of asking if you want to be real friends. IRL. Okay, perfect. Okay. And IRL, same amount of syllables as as in in real real life from Broad City. So we might be doing a lot of that, Abby. (laughs) We aren't joking. You know what? That's so funny. I was like, why do I know that yeah. line? Yeah. It's been a second for me. In your book, I loved it so much. Both of us have a lot of things that we relate to you yeah. about and differently. Yeah. Okay. I, I feel that as well. Yes. So you said that in your 20s, you had dated men, but you had never really been in love. And you said you'd gotten to this point where you felt like you just weren't cut out for love right? That you were made of solid rock and and that you'd be written about later in life as the woman who never fell in love. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 I really felt that way. I mean, I dated a lot of dudes and I like love dudes, but I just was like, wait, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not able to connect in that way Uh at all, I guess. Yeah. This just got me. You said you had an underlying sense of loss within your body for an experience you knew was essential to being oh, alive. God. That's, do you even remember that now? Oof, you guys like are going that? in real deep, <laughs> yeah. real quick. I'm like, whoa. Um, yeah, you know, I also wrote that in a very particular time. Mm-hmm. I wrote it right after um, I had fallen in yeah. love. I had fallen in love and then like been, been heartbroken. So I was like writing about this in the aftermath. So I wonder if I had written that before. Mm. I don't know if I'd be able to be that vulnerable about it, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I do remember feeling like what's wrong with me. Something's wrong with me. It's in everything I make. I think it is also like our society keeps like putting things in our faces that, that show us what, what we're supposed to be and what society wants us to be. And I think at least when I grew up, you know, I'm 38. Uh, it was rom-coms, very heteronormative. You fall in love, you have kids. Like it was very like by the book, like oh, this is the only way. And yeah, I just felt like, I guess I'm not got like in this world. Like, I don't know, I'll like find my own, but I do remember writing that. And I was terrified. I mean, the title of the book, it's called I Might Regret This because I was very terrified of, putting any of that out into the world without it being like behind Abby Abrams. It's way easier for me to like put that experience into Abby Abrams on Broad City, which is like the way, the way that I had her sort of ask a woman out was exactly the way I did it. Mm. So like all these experiences I like to like put into shows. So when I was doing the book, I was like, this isn't, this is just me putting it out there. It was very scary. Do you know who was like Abby fucking write this book is your bud Sam oh, Irby. Oh no way. God. We were working on a project forever and she was like the one of the main people when I was writing that book that was like write the worst stuff mm. you feel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Expose it all, yes. you know. <laughs> Sit at your typewriter and bleed, yes. Abby. Yes. yes, bleed. That's all we want is blood. If you're not going to bleed, don't sit down. 
Well, exactly. do you, do you exactly. regret it? I have to ask. No, no. Okay. No, I don't regret it at all. I was able to like tell stories or tell my experiences in the beginning through Broad City, which is very based on me and Alana, but like amplified. And then we were able to like sneak in vulnerabilities and personal things. And I think if you watch the whole thing, you see it like it really starts to get heavier underneath it all. Mm -hmm. But I find now that that's sort of like all I have Mm. is sharing those things. So I don't regret doing that anymore, or I don't even fear regretting it. Do you ever get confused about which (laughs) one is you? Because for people, for the pod squad listening, Abby, this is Abby. Okay. But Abby wrote and played Abby on Broad City, who is Abby, but more of an amplified, exaggerated version of Abby. So you've got Abby, who is you, real Abby. And you've got Abby, Broad City Abby. You've got book Abby. I'm asking this as a person who sometimes gets confused about which, like- What is art and what is real? What is art? What is real? Which one is real? Is it real if I don't work it out publicly? Like, how do you figure all that out? I think, you know, when we were ending the show, it was Alana and I both feeling like we needed to know ourselves, know the real Mm -hmm. Abby and Alana. And that was sort of part of why, one, we wanted it to end on a high note where we felt it was really still great and not just keep going Mm -hmm. for the sake of going, but also because at least I felt like I was a little bit of a workaholic, definitely workaholic. I didn't have a big life balance, like work balance. And I was very confused because I would give so much of myself to Abby Abrams Mm -hmm. on the show, even if she's amplified. But I'm sure you both feel like, feel this. People who uh, know your work and see you in real life, it's the most like complimentary thing to feel like, I I know like, oh my God, we're like, we're best friends. Like they know you, but then it is confusing because I, while I love sharing and ultimately don't we all want to be like known and seen and heard and understood. I also, I'm like, wait, I, I also need Mm -hmm. some like just me. Mm -hmm. I'm not fully sharing everything with the world or else I will go crazy. Yeah, Mm -hmm. It's very confusing and hard to manage a little Mm -hmm. bit. Yeah. Yeah. Let's tell the people how you got to this place. You applied after high school to go to Atlantic Theater Conservancy, which, which what I understand from your book was like a fancy pants theater place. Is it fancy? It's like a real deal, dramatic real deal. David Mamet and William H. Macy's school. Uh, so it's like very heady, very mm-hmm. theater, like <laughs> this is clearly I'm proving, I'm proving why I shouldn't have been there. <laughs> I'm like, it's theater. 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 Okay. Serious. What I love is that this was your dream to go there. You, you go there and then you start to realize, I don't know if I feel good here. You were just like terribly uncomfortable. It felt very, um, is pretentious the right word or highbrow Mm -hmm. acting? Mm Mm-hmm which is what I thought. I went to art school. So I studied visual art. So drawing and painting. And then I minored in video. Uh, I went to a school called MICA, Maryland Institute College of Art in Baltimore. And I was in, while I was doing video art, I sort of realized I really do want to be an actor. I always wanted to be an actor, but that's who, 
becomes an actor. I was like, that's not a thing. Like I would ever do or tell anyone at home that I grew up with. Like, that's just like not a reality Mm. that happens anyway. But then at school, I was like, let me just apply. This is what I've always wanted to do. And I really wanted to like go into like drama. (laughs) I laugh laugh at that. I I would love to do some more dramatic, whatever. But um, (laughs) she still can't say She still can't. She is an actor and she's scared to say she wants to be an actor. Well, I always say writer for, if someone says, what do I do? I say, I'm a writer Mm -hmm. first because Mm -hmm. most of the things I've acted in, I've, I've written, but I got in, mm-hmm. I, I went up, I prepared an audition. I went up to New York, I got in. And so I was like, holy shit, like, I'm gonna, here we go. You yeah. know, here we go. This is like the real deal. And then the first week was one of the worst weeks of my life. Oh no. Mm-hmm. Like do you ever, you sign up and you're so excited for this yep. thing. And it's just not how my brain operates. It was analyzing scene studies in a way that probably works for a lot of actors. And if you would see what I do now, it like totally makes sense that I would not go there. I like being very improvisational and open and like figuring it out and not, not highbrow. Mm-hmm. I don't think of myself as high. Yeah. Not lowbrow, but like medium. No, brow. not lowbrow. Medium I, brow. I was miserable. And I was, I was like, well, I guess I can't be an actor. Like I'm, I'm failing at this. I had like a breakdown in, in the street, which I thought also now looking back is sort of like a rite of passage sure. living in New York. I think that, that everybody does that, but yeah, I, I quit. I had to quit sort of pretty soon in order to get my deposit back. Mm-hmm. And then I felt like a failure. I'd moved to New York. No one in my family had ever like left Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. My brother worked with my dad. Like I was the one I was like the, going to do this thing. And then I couldn't do it. And then I discovered the Upright Citizens Brigade, which like that world is totally how my brain works. Comedy and improv. And then I sort of just kept going. It's like you queered theater. This is a a pattern for you. Thank God. Because a lot of times we go into the thing, the norm, Mm -hmm. and then we hate it and don't feel comfortable there. So we think there's something wrong with us. Exactly. We just stay and try to be better at it and slowly die inside. This is why quitting is so fucking important. Yep. Because I was reading that part of the book when you were in that theater thing and thinking, oh, when you follow your own self, you end up with Broad City. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because I met Alana in like an improv practice group, which I really don't want to go into the the specifics of improv. Whenever I go into it, I'm like, people are falling asleep. This is so- But can you do it a little bit? Yeah. Can you do it a little bit? It's such a specific like- uh, it's almost like a cult. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just this world that a lot of people that uh, that find it. I met Darcy doing improv and Alana and I met in this practice group. It's basically this space. It was a theater, a black box theater that was under a supermarket called Gristidi's. It was in like the basement of a supermarket. And it was like the most special place I had found in New York City, mm-hmm. where every night after I worked at anthropology, just like Abby did mm-hmm. on Broad City mm-hmm. and at the Rockefeller Center one. And I can't believe they let me shoot there after all those years. But um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's like so. Uh, you, you walk in and there is a palpable energy. Mm. And people are going on stage with no with nothing, getting a suggestion from the audience and... 
together, however many people are on stage, whether it's three or eight, they're making something. Mm -hmm. That to me is fully the opposite of Atlantic, Mm -hmm. which was like analyzing a sentence for like an hour versus what could happen, the possibilities, trying and failing. Like people, you would bomb so hard and then someone would like save you. Mm. It just was this like teamwork, very, it actually, it is, it was so not a queer, there were like not that many queer people, but it felt so queer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I you mean. I don't I mean, mean like queer sexually, I mean queer. No, 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 but like it is like, like the queer world of acting. It's not outcast because, but a little, like it is the weirdos. Mm-hmm. I just want to say, because I'm kind of a, leader in, in what I used to do and quitting like the definition of quitting for me, it's like pivoting. Like you went to this place, you're like, Oh, nope. Like you had a full body. No. And it gave you the chance to pivot and experience something different with upright citizen brigade. Mm -hmm. And I think that to me, like that is the really important lesson here that a lot of us find ourselves doing things that we're like, this is just like a full body. No, that doesn't mean necessarily you're a failure. It just means that that shit's not for you. Right. And it's opening up this other door over here. So like, don't forget to pivot. Yeah. That's I what love you did. that because it not, I've never thought about it that way. I've always felt like I quit this thing. No. That was so hard, but it was just a pivot. Yes. Mm-hmm. I feel like if most people look back on those quitting moments, it really just pivoted them into the next yeah. The right thing or like closer totally. to the right and thing. And sister's not here to be the nerd. Sister's not here to be the nerd. I know. I'm very, you have to tell sister that I'm such a fan and tie and all that. Oh, yeah. she would want me to remind us all what that does the origin mean? Yeah. of the word quit <laughs> is quietus, which originally meant to set ourselves free. Yes. Okay. It only wow. got the negative connotation during the industrial revolution when they wanted us all to become robots. So it used to be a very powerful freeing, like badasses quit. Because no, that's not for me. And having the full body no experiences is sometimes more important than full body yeses. Because it's like knowing, yeah, knowing what you don't want is information. It has nothing to do Mm -hmm. with like failure. I can totally relate to leaving your family. You're taking this big risk. You're going outside of like the family norm. And so what are they all going to think when I, when I say I'm quitting this place? Well, and relationally, some people could be in like a heterosexual marriage for like 14 years. (laughs) Who's that? Some people. I should just be trying harder. (laughs) Like this is just, this is just, it's something wrong with me. It is so interesting to recognize like there are those moments where in your full body, you feel a thing. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. But I, I mean, to not act on that is... Wild, right? So wild. Quick math the less your business spends on operations and multiple systems, the more margin you have and the more of your hard earned money you get to keep. But with higher expenses than ever on things like materials and distribution, everything just costs more. That's why smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. You'll reduce IT costs, you'll cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems, and you'll improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks 
end errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move and expenses don't slow down. So why should you? By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash hard things. netsuite.com slash hard things. That's netsuite.com slash hard things. I think it must be really interesting for you too as an actor to really love this like improv thing. I want you to to tell me more about what it is like in your body on that stage. Because yeah. guess what? We're all doing this weird improv thing of all life. All the time. So yes. and you said it's a Bible of values. Yes. I haven't done it in a, in a while. And I was just talking to Darcy about wanting to do it. Darcy mm-hmm. Carden, who mm-hmm. I'm talking about. Yeah wanting to do it again because she's so good. And there's still a little bit of like a hesitancy because I was never like, um, quote unquote, successful at Mm. improv, like in that theater. And that's why Alana and I made Brown City. Uh But again, I think I am successful at improv in my work, which like bringing the values and like that kind of experimentation into Broad City and then into League. It's the most terrifying thing. Mm. I would equate it maybe with where you're meeting someone new, where you have this, where, where you have to remind yourself that ner- being nervous is good. Being nervous <laughs> is actually being excited. Being nervous is excitement. You know what I mean? Yes. You have to like shift it where you're like, this is good. These are good feelings. Like I can do this. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a nervousness mixed with a will to be confident. It's a teeny microcosm, I think, for living life, which is... I have to put myself out there, mm-hmm. try. There's going to be all these other people I have to like try and trust as much as I can mm. and help and support. And hopefully they're going to do that for me. And there's going to be like super highs and there's going to be like super bad lows. And we'll like, then the lights will go out and we'll like get to do it again. Mm. What does using the top of your intelligence mean? This is a, in the the book you said, this is an improv thing. And also don't think. Yes. So the don't thinking is, is like the UCB method, like one of their slogans, which means you work like Abby, I would imagine it's exactly equivalent. I think to being an athlete where like you work out and you train and you practice and you get your muscles and the team is like, so used to working together so that when you go out onto the field, you're not thinking, right. You're just like doing Mm -hmm. and you're operating and you like know each other and trust each other. And to get in your head, I imagine while you're playing would be the worst thing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, So it's like, don't think it's like your commit, the commitment to like letting what should unfold, letting that actually unfold Hmm. while also putting your own, energy and spin into it. I bet that that's a lot like improv. Yeah. I mean, you're still, you're still obviously making choices and, and decisions like very on the fly, but you've worked enough. And with improv, we, you, you practice that skill set to like, kind of get to a point when you go on stage for a show, you're sort of like not thinking Mm -hmm. and just trusting that your choices will work or they'll fail or they'll be what they are. Like it'll, Mm -hmm. there's nothing like it. Is that those, that hour or Mm whatever, however long it is, you're like almost high. Not that I've ever done anything (laughs) 
that would be, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, no, we know. We yeah, know. I can't, sure. yeah. Um, <clears throat> in the book, it, it was so funny to me because there's, you have this one part that's all about um, improv and the magic of it. And yes, and, and let, just don't overthink and all the things. And then right afterwards, you're talking about how you used to go to a bar afterwards and then you were so self-conscious and you couldn't talk to anybody. And I'm like, yeah. I'm with the book. I'm like, Abby, just improv. Yeah, yeah. Like, but that's the thing where it was like, it was this thing I found that, that like the goal was to be all I wanted to be in real life. Yes. Like I wish I could be confident and trust myself more and um, like be open. And I think over here, I was seeing all these people doing that. I was so in awe of it. And so I sort of did it as much as I could. And I guess I felt that high over here because I, I am very insecure and naturally, I mean, yeah, I just am that. It's a good thing for someone like me to get into or to find. I I can also do improv. It's the opposite of everything. Yeah. I think that just watching Broad City too, I can, I can see the parts of the, the scenes where you and Alana are just going into it. Not only is it funny, but it's like I can feel that magic when I'm watching it, even on something that's been edited and produced like a television show. Not all improv (laughs) when you go to watch it. We learned that on Broad City. It's as good as it feels to do it. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Like most of it is what you you saw where we were making fun of it. And everyone that made Broad City, we all met doing improv, but it is also terrible. And so the improv you saw uh, in the show is very much like not using the top of your intelligence. Mm -hmm. So okay, yes, when you sort of like go low, go blue quickly. What does that mean? Go blue quickly. It's like coming out and being like, someone is going to correct me. It's almost like being gross and- Crude and perverted. Over crude, yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Did you just search that? No. no. I, I, <laughs> I was I, like, oh, someone like texted you that. I was like, yes, it's crude and perverted. Which okay. like sometimes you can like get there in a in an intelligent way. Mm. But sometimes it's there. just like going for the easy, what you think will make people laugh. Because it's really about someone walking out and saying and trying something, being a character. And your the yes ending is like, is acknowledging their choice and not negating it and adding to it. Right. Hmm. And so sometimes e- using in the top of your intelligence is, you know, these things. So mm-hmm. like inform the scene with all the things, you know, and don't go. Yes. This yeah. is basically the difference between back. Glennon's humor and my humor. <laughs> I go blue. It, yeah. Cause I'm just searching for a laugh. I don't, I don't even care how I get there. And Glennon goes and tries to use her, the highest of intelligence. That's oh, good. thanks babe. Listen, I go, Broad City is like half, is like, <laughs> is both. So I'm not like above, I'm not above going blue, but yeah. So I, we talked about this this, this morning so and I love this so much because the queering of the theater gave us all of the Abbey magic. Yes. Broad City with League of Their Own, which I can't wait to talk about in a minute. And you queered your love life. You're engaged to a woman now. We'll get to that too. Yay, yay, yay. This is so exciting. Okay. She's so excited that I'm doing this. She was like. There was a moment where you were dating this first person who you were in love Mm -hmm. with long ago. And you had never (laughs) tucked in your shirt before. Yeah. Okay. This is the biggest deal. Okay. It's a total. Tucking in your shirt. The queering of the clothes. (laughs) Okay. Why did you not tuck your shirt in ever? First of all. I think I didn't tuck in my shirt 
I never really thought this was like a queer thing. This is more of um, in line with like my insecurity and not co- being confident with my body and all this. Yeah. I don't mean when I say <laughs> queer in all of these ways, all yeah, I mean yeah. is like being yourself. Yes. And right. that's, and th- yes. And she was like, why don't like you, you look so good. Like, why don't you tuck in your shirt? Cause tucking in your shirt, you, you see more of your body. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I was always like pulling it out and like, very insecure. And then I tried it and I was like, wait, I do really like the way I look and I like the way I feel. And I think it was partially about how I felt in that moment too, like mm-hmm. with her and all that. I'd probably tucked my shirt in a couple of times, but <laughs> maybe not felt like that was a thing that like um, looked good on me or that I felt confident in. And yeah. So when then you it was broke a different, up, you said to her, <laughs> one of the oh last God, things really I said, bringing I, this I, up. I just think it's so important. I know. So, and then you, I want you to tell Abby your uh-huh. story about shirts. One of the last things I said to her was, <laughs> you changed my life. You taught me how to tuck in my shirt, which obviously didn't just mean you taught me how to tuck in my shirt. So what did you mean? Did you finish league? Yeah. The, I think that's one of the last, I think that's like the last thing mm-hmm. Carson says. Yes. Mm-hmm. I can't help but bring humor into any situation. Mm-hmm. That was like a devastating moment. And it meant so much more. That relationship did fully change my life and gave me the confidence, mm-hmm. like be, like knowing I was queer, which took me so long, uh, gave me such a different confidence in everything. Mm-hmm. And the shirt tuck just felt really like a part of it, even though it was like the smallest thing. Yes, yeah. it always is the smallest thing. And then I really did see myself. I really did feel so different. Mm-hmm. Let me hear this shirt story. Yeah, I had the opposite <laughs> situation. So in college in the late 90s, I came from an all-girls Catholic school, high school, went to college. And my first girlfriend in college, she just says to me, you know, why don't you try untucking your shirt? <laughs> And I was like, huh, because this is like, wait, this is like, the t- wait, this is so funny. Yeah. Were you, like, huh. that is because so her funny. mom dressed her like Talbots. She went yeah. to a Catholic school. She was like her queer Abby Wambach self tucking her shirt wow. in. But I think like the bigger point to this story, <laughs> like truly yeah. is this idea. And I, I don't mean to genderize it or, or, or talk about like guys and, and, and women in relationships versus to women. But I do think that this is one of the things about being in a relationship with somebody who can truly be honest with you because they are experiencing what you're experiencing in so many ways of this world. And so the way that my girlfriend at the time and the way that your ex was able to express this information was able to be understood and realized and then put into action in a way that is actually life-changing. It's so yes. beautiful though, because it's not about it, the tucking. It, some people need to untuck. Some people yes, need to tuck. Yes. Just, everybody needs to be seen. I honestly don't feel like I was walking through the world like hiding this thing. I think, I don't know. I'm truly like, what was happening? I went to arts. Like, I don't know what was going on. Blinders. I don't mm-hmm. know. But it felt like she was saying, you're hiding this. Yeah. You're hiding your body. Yeah. And you don't need to. You're not revealing this part or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I... You're hiding and yours was hiding. Uh, the closest I've come to that moment, because I still don't know how to dress in a way that makes me feel like I'm 
I have no idea. I always feel like I'm wearing a costume no matter what. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to match my insides to my outsides with clothes, but I used to come home every day. And like the second I'd get in the door, I'd like peel off my skin tight pants and take off my shoes and my heels and take out the things from my hair and my, you know, all this shit. And I'd say, I said to you one day, do you want to go get cozy? And you said, oh, I live cozy. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what the fuck? You can live wow. cozy. That's wild, Glenn. And I'm like you where I'm like, I got to get into my, like, I got to go change to like, go like watch TV. Exactly. Me too. What? And she's like, why would you wear something that you out in the world that you, that, that it would, is less comfortable than the thing you would like, why would you ever do that? Yep. Wait, I feel like I want for you to find clothes that make you feel more you. There should be someone you can go to. Abby, all I do is change from costume to costume. Like, Do you want me to take you my, out? Yes. <laughs> there's my girl boss suit outfit. But like, what there's if my, like trying out, what if you like went to a department store and just like tried, tried random stuff on just to see worst case scenario, you're back where you started. I think I need to do that. I mean, you put I on know. You, you put on three to four outfits a day. Because I'm constantly trying to trying figure to out figure what the out hell. What it what is. is it? You know, I'd grew up like all this horrible, like tight stuff that was just about like the way that I appear and not how I feel. Some of it's like also armor in a way. You can see the tucking really <laughs> did a number on us. Okay? <laughs> I, 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 that's so fascinating that yours was the complete opposite, but did the same thing. I, I love that. Yes. Yeah. So many things in our lives change, but not our love for Viore clothing. I love this ad. We're so glad that they continue to support the show. It's true. Abby is obsessed with Viore. I am a little bit too. Do you think you have a favorite item? Ugh, they're t-shirts. They never get less soft. They're just perfect for everything, for going to dinner, for actively going for a walk, for working out, whatever you want to do. They're the I, best. Actually, Sleep in them. You you wear them to work out and you wear them out to dinner. That is true. I wear Viore tops all day, every day. And you day. wear them under suits and you wear them yes. to bed. It's everything. Okay. I mean, I love them, but it's not easy to find clothes that look sleek and feel comfortable. I mean, I can use them everywhere and anywhere I go. Viori is an investment in your happiness. I promise you. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase, plus free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viori.com slash hard things. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hard things. You won't be sorry. We need to talk about Ilana and Broad City because we can't do that without getting to a league of their own. And what I just freaking love. The, are you and Ilana still as close as you used to be with this? Yeah, but I don't see her as much. I, I still go back and forth to New York a lot, but she's in New York and I'm more in L.A. now. OK, mm-hmm. so you two just. Improv, you're like, you, you leave your fancy school, you go to improv. You're not like completely let in the boys club at improv, right? So you and Alana just decide to make a freaking show. Like, how did this happen? Yeah. We were on a practice team, which is like what the community kind of does, where you like practice one night a week with a coach uh, doing improv. And then we would host shows at like a little teeny theater uh 
called Under St. Mark's. You'd team up with a couple other teams and you'd have a night of it. You'd give the audience like shots of a terrible thing Mm -hmm. to get them to come. (laughs) It was just like a fun, such a fun community Mm -hmm. of all these people trying to do this. And we were the only two girls on our team. And we were just really good friends for two years doing that. It's just like so unique and different than anyone I'd met or especially any of my other female friends that I had known from high school or college. The dynamic that you see on Broad City was just like always that Mm -hmm. and then amplified, but we just cracked each other up. And then two years after doing this improv team, we sort of realized, what if we made something? We cannot get on the on the UCB stage. We can't, we're both like trying to audition for commercials, trying to become actors, nothing. What if we make these little vignettes? And so we had a web series called Broad City for two years. So we started that in 2009 and did like 35 web episodes for two years. And then at the end of it, we had gotten this manager and she was like, what if let's pitch it as a show? And we somehow through this like crazy series of events got Amy Poehler to be in the finale of the web episode, which was just like wild in itself. Like that at alone, we could have been like, we're done. Yes. Great. Right. You know, like we did it. <laughs> and then once we sent it to her, we said, we're going to LA to pitch this as a show. Would you ever want to be an executive producer on it? And she said, yes. yes. And mm. she said, yes. And. Yes, and let and let's do it. Amazing. So she, <laughs> yeah, crazy. And was she was she's a big part of the Upright Citizens Brigade. She was one of the owners. Yeah. Okay. No way. So this is like freaking. And it's Amy just and her Paper Kite and produced Broad City, right? Yeah, she it's, saw the magic. Yeah. Amy is the like best. That. So it's so ironic. Like we couldn't get on stage there at the place that she owned, but she was not like there day to day. And then we ended up like going totally around. She ended up making a show that was farther away from anything we thought mm. where our like dream was. And then we made that. <laughs> so there was also like quite a learning curve taking these little vignettes, which are scenes very short into a TV version. Mm-hmm. For the parents out there who have teenagers and 20 something year old kids right now, it is a good peek into their kind of sense of humor or sense of themselves. I'm telling you, it's it's it, it made me know my kids experience a little bit better. I love that. I think we maybe are outdated. Like the kids now, I don't, I think we're even different than we were. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Season one came out when I was 30. Oh, wow. How old but are we you? were playing, Younger. I'm 38. So okay. we were playing like, tw- I was playing 25 and Alana was playing like 21. Yeah. She's four years younger. It's very much us though, to just discover something that like yeah. has for you was like a decade ago. Yeah, that is yeah, very yeah. on brand for us. I think it makes sense. It has a pocket. It was not ever like massive. Well, speaking of what's been massive, we just interviewed Gina Davis mm-hmm. last week. Oh, you did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A League of Their Own your version is unbelievable and incredible. And I don't know if version is the right word. I call it a reimagining. A reimagining. Yeah. Because it's a reimagining. I don't feel like we're not adapting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was like a big thing that people were like, mm. how are you going to like ruin our movie? <laughs> you know, they're so different, mm-hmm. I think. So it's like a reimagining. Totally good. different. Good and also all the good, all the good stuff that 
people were probably afraid of losing is all still there. Yeah. Um, yeah. League of Their Own as an idea, as the first movie where it was really important to both of us for different reasons. Wh- why was it important to you? What about that story felt important to you? So the film came out in 92. I think it was one of the first films I saw in a theater. Mm. Oh, cool. And I played a lot of sports as a kid. Soccer was my main sport, not softball. But um, I did play softball. For me, it was, well, one, seeing women playing professional sports, Mm -hmm. even though they were in skirts. I... uh, (laughs) Just seeing that on screen and seeing the the ensemble of women, that group playing together and hanging out and being like funny. I don't think I'd seen that mm-hmm. on screen. Same. I mean, I think that and like Mighty Ducks were my big. <laughs> Me too. And, but Mighty Ducks, <laughs> there's like the one girl that's like hiding that she's a girl, you know. And I just felt very connected to it. I was pretty young, but I think I was like, that's like us, like me and my teams. Mm -hmm. Like that's the one movie we get in that way. Mm. And I, even though that, you know, they were way older, but I just, I loved it. I did not sense um, as a child, like the queer undertone at all. It is a kind of an iconically queer film, but not queer at all at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. What is that? (laughs) Like Like, why... Because all the things that are like are queer, but not queer are the things that my whole life I've been like, huh, I I love that thing, but I don't know why, why is League of Their Own so queer? I mean, you queered it now. It's like. Yeah. The film to the reimagining. Everything has been manifested. Yeah. In the reimagining. Well, because the storyline of the film is a bunch of women that are doing something that has only been allowed and allotted for men. And because of the concept that all of like the players were over in war, it's like the thing you're not supposed to touch. But when you watch something like that and you are that, you're like, that's it. That's what I want to do. It opens up a, a different door that never was there before. And the relationships between the women. Yeah, that right? was- Wait, I'm curious what you're, what you felt from well, it. Well, first of all, I've never played a sport. I mean, I tried to play lacrosse, but it wasn't great. It wasn't a good <laughs> I, I love that that was the one you went for. Well, it was brand new in our high school. So it was like, if you oh, okay, didn't make okay. any other team. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, right? gotcha. Okay. Our house, um, Abby just got TP'd last night because um, our kid is in a sport. So they're, they're team came and TP'd their house. And I was so excited. And Abby was like, why are you so excited? And I was like, because I wasn't relevant enough in high school, in high school to, to ever get TP'd. I took pictures yesterday morning outside of my house, like oh, yeah. having been TP'd because it felt like such That's a high so school funny. cultural moment. Anyway, I'd never been part of a team before. You're, no, you're not taking it down. Right. No, God, <laughs> it's proof that I've arrived. Yeah. <laughs> I, I took it down. I know. I took it down. So I was a, lo- a, a kid who was very isolated, who I, all I did was read. I didn't have a lot of friendships or I didn't have any relationship with boys that weren't, I just was a, always performing. I wasn't worried about like how I felt. I was worried about how I looked. I wasn't worried about, you know, my body was for, for, appearing a certain way. And mm-hmm. so watching athletes, I feel the same way when I first met Abby and started following the the national team. 
Mm-hmm. And I I would like get emotional, like cry watching them play soccer. Cause I was like, oh, these are a bunch of women who believe in something together. This has nothing to do with men. This is their own, th- a league of their own, I guess. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, there was just something like another planet. It was like another planet to me that I had always been yearning for, but had never been part of. Yeah. And I think that movie for me was just like, I had been dreaming of this idea of something and it was in my head. That was it. And then there was this movie that put my dream into a context that made me be able to see it for the first time, you know, and talking to Gina, it was just so lovely to be able to express that to her because at the time, this is 92, when I first watch it and it comes out, there is no such thing as like women's professional soccer. And so, you know, you go down the road four years and that's when our women's Olympic team was in the Olympics for the first time. They win gold and the 99 was a few years later. So it is important for people to see shit in order to become it. Mm -hmm. It's not 100 percent necessary because there are pioneers. But to me, that's what it was. It was like this thing that I could see that then I could attach my dreams to in some ways. And now you put Carson and it feels like. I don't know. I've, I, it's really important. It's, it feels really important to me. I love her. I love the journey. Again, there's so much of you. Yeah. Am I right about that? Like, how do you do this? How do you write this? Like, how did it happen? I guess I, I also get nervous. Uh, <laughs> how many times? You'll do a supercut of how many times I say I'm nervous. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Yeah, I'm nervous. I think I always felt with Carson, I didn't sign on to act in it for a long time because I wanted to make sure I, I don't know. I was always writing it with Will Graham. I wanted to make sure that I loved it Mm. and it felt, I don't know. I, I, I also was scared. This journey has been terrifying. It's people's favorite movie. Right. It is a big, big one to, (laughs) to touch, you know, reimagine. Yes. To reimagine. But I feel like with Carson, there's, there's a lot of me in Carson and then also a lot that's Mm -hmm. not, Mm -hmm. but I think I liked adding, I like adding that personalness to it. And I also, listen, I want to do roles that aren't so much like me, Mm -hmm. but I feel like the show as a whole is a little bit of a Trojan horse. Mm of the, some of the bigger, um, bigger things we are saying, Mm -hmm. uh, with it. So you're coming into it and with me running and it's like very funny, but also it's like about real things. Mm -hmm. The one thing I think I am confident is, is like my relatability. Mm -hmm. And I even feel weird saying that. Own it, sister. It's you so are. relatable to, to consider yourself relatable. I feel this way. I'm like a, and a very approachable, relatable character to be like following this intense journey that's going to mm-hmm. like turn her life completely uh, upside down. It's hard to find a great mentor who can help me level up. My dream mentor, Stephen Curry, Simone Biles, episode 38. I was really excited that they have a class on Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. For just $10 a month, 
an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to every instructor. And you can access Masterclass on your phone, computer, or even in audio mode. If you want to improve your physical and mental well-being, or if you want to build stronger relationships with renowned psychotherapist Esther Perel, go to Masterclass. Esther Perel's class has really been helping me build stronger relationships, and my friend Robin Roberts's class is helping me really expand my communication skills on the podcast and also in life. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash hard things. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash hard things. As you and Will were doing this, what was your dream for it? Yeah. How would it change things or people? I think because we made it, you know, so much of this was over COVID, which was Mm -hmm. this terrifying time that we're still in. Yeah. Hello. We are still in. Yes. Ultimately, I want people to feel things when they're watching Mm -hmm. anything I make. So they're laughing. They're feeling connected to it. They're feeling emotional maybe when that's Mm -hmm. happening. But I think bigger picture, my goal was always sort of for people to feel seen Mm -hmm. and less alone. Mm -hmm. It's the same with Broad City. Just League is a little bit more stories Mm -hmm. to be seen and heard and felt connected to. Mm -hmm. And to feel less alone and to feel like Oh, I I feel like, oh, that's me and my friends. That's mm-hmm. me. And if I don't have that team yet, or if I don't have that best friend yet, mm-hmm. they're out there. Mm-hmm. Like there are there are those people. I yeah. don't know. And for now, I can watch the show and feel feel it, you know? It's a double thing with League. Like yeah. with Broad City, it feels like what everybody, it felt, it feels very like the human condition is seen. Yeah. Like I feel like the human condition is being seen and celebrated and mm-hmm. we can all just laugh. Mm-hmm. And and League feels like there is that, but it's also really important. So like the race, the, the whole- I feel uh, that. The, uh, the real story is also being seen. The, of, yes. the full I mean, Of the struggles of yes. these it's women. Being honored. Yes. The full stories yeah. are being honored, which not- yeah doesn't happen. We got a chance to talk to Penny Marshall before she passed away, which was incredible. And just to go into that a little bit more is that, you know, there's a scene in the film where there's a foul ball and a black woman picks Mm -hmm. it up and chucks it back to Gina Davis. And there's no dialogue. If you blink, you miss this scene. Mm -hmm. And the audience is supposed to feel like, wow, she's, she's incredible. She's got a great arm. Why? Like, She's clearly not allowed to be on the, the team because mm-hmm. of because she's black and it's 1943. We are getting all of that information from this one little moment and then nothing. Mm-hmm. And so like that league, the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League was this incredible opportunity, this door that opened for white women mm-hmm. and white passing women, which is like my character, that door opens. And we're seeing half of our reimagining is showing that. Um And we're also exploring the white passing women and what it was like Mm -hmm. for Latina women, Esti and Lupe. Those characters are dealing with this whole other experience of what it's like to be sort of burying who they are to be able to play on this on this team. And so the film only really explores what it's this incredible league for like some women. But what about the rest of the athletes Mm -hmm. that were incredible? Hundreds and, and thousands of of, of women of color played baseball. And so we really took in the pilot that 
we're nodding to that scene. Mm -hmm. So Max, who's played by Shantae Adams, that throw happens. And the show is half my world and half Max's world. Mm -hmm. And what happens when that door closes for women of color who were incredible athletes? Um, And her character is inspired by three women who played in the Negro Leagues, Connie Morgan, uh, Tony Stone, and Mamie Peanut Johnson. I knew about um, Tony Stone before we started, but this show had like a heavy um, research element. There's like a researcher on full time, mm-hmm. which believe it or not, Broad City, we did not have that. <laughs> at all. shocked. And so, yeah, you're shocked. Yeah. I didn't know about the, yeah. the, but about Connie and Mamie and or Billy Harris, who was like the Jackie Robinson of softball and all these leagues. And it's like, right, of of course, Mm -hmm. but we know the one movie with the white women Mm -hmm. playing. And so it was so important for us to show as many experiences as we could. And listen, we're not, there are a lot more experiences we're not Mm -hmm. able to showcase, but for, for us, this was like, so far, these are the stories we, we were so excited to, to share. And we felt like they really weren't in the, in the film. In 92, there, there are some the different stories that, that Hollywood was showcasing. And I think we have an opportunity here to, to show a lot more. And that also obviously includes like, it's such a queer show. Mm-hmm. A lot of the women on this league were, were queer. Yep. Right. And um, that's not in the film at all. Right. And that was really important for us to show. It's so good. It's what, it's the power and the necessity of reimagining. That's, yeah. this is what it is. This is. Why does League of Their Own need to be reimagined? Well, it did need to be reimagined. And yeah. hopefully in 20 years, 25 years, this, there will be another some little one will come around and the consciousness will be so different that it will need to be reimagined again. Like yes. that's the power yeah. of evolution and consciousness raising and the art needs to reflect our raised consciousness. And that's yep. what you did. And it's beautiful. Can I ask you guys a question? Yes. About this, because I've been talking about the show for a while and I go all over the place with talking about this. But Abby, you had said that content and seeing this is is so important. Stuff can happen without these stories being being like shown to us in film and TV or whatever, but it does have a huge impact. And I think there is queer content more than ever being put into the world and I think it's essential to know it's queer content. And I also, there's a part of me that hates so much that it's like the queer show. Mm-hmm. It makes me insane. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that way? Or do you, like, I, I, I'm just sort of like, I guess when we get to a point where it's yes. not labeled in that yeah. way, that's, it, but, but like that's the point. But that's 20 years down but the there's, road. Or 10, 10 or five. Right? Yeah. But, but that's because there are people who have to live in both spaces. Yes. There are people who are forward thinking, who are already driven mad by the fact that we have to label stuff queer now because they can see a true, more beautiful world where that's not going to be a thing anymore at right. all. And they want to start living it now, yes. which I also feel is super, super important. I love in Shit's Creek, right? Where Dan Levy, there was no homophobia. There was nothing like mm-hmm. in the in the town. And he was like, well, uh, we did that so that we could show the way it should be and the way it will be eventually because does art imitate life? Does life imitate art? Mm-hmm. If life imitates art, then we need to be the ones who are showing this is how it will be. Let's encourage the world to recreate that. Right. 
So I don't know. I mean, it, little things are so in Broad City when Alana was like, I'm going to a straight wedding this weekend. I love that. That that. I mean, I looked at you. I was like, you're like ah! straight wedding. So good. Yes. This is the thing in scripts that I do. People often put if they're if they're going to state someone's race, mm-hmm. a character's race. It's uh, if you read a lot of scripts, you notice that white is never. No. Like the, it's the, the industry operates on a default mm-hmm. so that white is never included, but any other race, if it's specified, is included. And then you're like, wait, you're either using all of them or that's just like a inherently fucked up way it's of operating. Up. That's right. And that's mm-hmm. so beautiful. I like know. it's just the little ways that you can do that. Sometimes it takes somebody to say straight wedding to be like, yeah, yeah. why are we all yeah. shit? Yeah. So Abby, we love you. Thank you for this. We think we just please oh keep all goodness. of your vulnerability and all of your magic. Who you are comes through in every single thing that you do. I can't handle it. Yeah. That means the world to me. Thank you. I'm so I feel very honored to be on here with you too. Same. What a good conversation. We love you. Keep fucking kicking ass. Yes, and we love Thanks. you Pod Squad. See you back here next time. I give you Tish Melton and Brandy Carlisle. I walked through fire, I came out the other side. I chased desire, I made sure I got what's mine. And I continued to
We Can Do Hard Things is produced in partnership with Cadence 13 Studios. Be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts. Especially be sure to rate and review the podcast if you really liked it. If you didn't, don't worry about it. It's fine.